Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and broadcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from thousands of successful individuals from around the world. I'm your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm privileged to welcome a very, very senior corporate professional from New Delhi, India, Mr. Ankur Sachdev. Ankur, welcome to the show. Thanks for inviting me. I'm delighted to be on this show. Thank you. Uh, Ankur is the president of operations of Radico Khaitan Limited. And for those who don't know, Radico Khaitan is one of the leading companies in alcohol, plus I'm sure there are many other businesses. So Ankur, before I get into uh, branding and all the stuff that you're doing, from plywood to alcohol, tell me about your journey uh, to the top and some of your learnings and challenges. Brilliant. Uh, so Ashutosh, this is one question that I've, I've been asked uh, most often mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, both these two uh, industries are at the opposite uh, end of the spectrum. Correct. Uh, but I think what's important is to get the sequence right. So mm -hmm. chronologically, um, 18 years, uh, I was in the liquor industry from the year 2001 to 2018. Okay. And then I pivoted to... Uh, building material and i'll i'll tell you why i did that transition mm -hmm. um just in a while mm -hmm. but uh, four years spent in the wood panel industry mm -hmm. uh, which is part of the building material industry mm -hmm. and then have now recently come back to the mm -hmm. uh, liquor fold again mm -hmm. uh, and i've been there now for five months again mm -hmm. back to the same company that i left back in 2018 mm -hmm. why this is important is that to emphasize that maximum um, learnings that I had mm. uh, and, and no learnings happen without challenges uh, uh, and therefore the personal growth comes from there. Mm. The maximum learnings I had was when I did the first pivot, which is from the liquor industry to the wood panel industry. Mm. So this transition, which was quite deliberate, I might add, mm -hmm. um, you know, happened because I, I, I decided that, you know, I had spent too long a time in the same industry uh -huh. um, and I'd done some great assignments and projects uh, but, but uh, uh, you know, to some extent, I was even acknowledged as an expert, uh, say, in some aspects of the industry that I was in, mm. uh, be it um, on-premise uh, or single malt whiskeys or travel retail. <clears throat> and it was this familiarity that is what was making it a bit dull for me. Mm. Uh, I found myself questioning that, uh, you know, have I become too comfortable? Have I stopped growing? Mm. Um, uh, you know, I was going through FOMO. Uh, with all, you know, all around me, my colleagues and associates trying new ventures. Mm -hmm. So I thought, um, you know, why, why can't I do this? Don't I have, don't I have the courage to do yeah. this? Mm -hmm. And uh, just as, you know, just then as, as if the gods were listening to me, um, I got approached by uh, Kajaria Ceramics, mm -hmm. uh, you know, to start a new wood vertical for them, wood mm -hmm. panel vertical for them. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, personally, I had uh, zero uh, knowledge of that domain and mm -hmm. uh, and I think at some level that was exactly what that you know the draw for me was mm -hmm. uh, because I was completely new to it mm -hmm. um, and uh, I said you know what the heck you know I'm ready for an adventure mm -hmm. and uh, uh, you know let's go for it mm -hmm. and that's what happened so in the year uh, 2018 when I did this pivot mm -hmm. very quickly just as we started uh, realize that uh, there are lots of challenges mm. and those challenges mostly lay in our assumptions mm. and these assumptions 
uh, they, they began to unravel very soon uh, after we started the business. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't want to get too technical about yeah. the wood panel industry, but mm-hmm. just to say that, you know, it has a very dominant unorganized sector, mm-hmm. which is almost uh, three fourths uh, of the total industry. Mm-hmm. And uh, also realize that the existing retail channel of the company of Kajaria was not going to work for plywood mm. and laminates. Mm. Um, and and uh, last but not the least, I think we had an asset light model, mm. um, not just for manufacturing, but also for say stocking. And uh, uh, this was really very unusual for the trade. Mm. Uh, so in that sense, we were pioneering a new way of mm. doing things mm. um, in a very traditional industry. Um, right. Yeah, so on our part, we had to be dynamic and nimble-footed, um, you know, uh, it, it was enormously helpful that, mm. you know, we were part of a large corporate group mm. uh, that made it relatively easier to uh, deal with these challenges. Mm. Fascinating. And then you came back to alcohol to Radico Khaita. Yeah, but yeah, absolutely. Came back to alcohol and uh, back to Radico Khaitan. I've been there now for five months. Mm. Um, but I think the uh, important point is that uh, and that's the learning from there mm-hmm. is that, uh, you know, I, I, I realize that um, it's very important to be aligned with mm-hmm. the promoter who's putting the risk capital um, into the business mm-hmm. and the execution team. I think that was my biggest learning mm-hmm. uh, because that helped us stay in good stead. And we were able to overcome many of those challenges that I mentioned earlier. And I think the second learning uh, was team selection. And this is an important point. And I think your listeners uh, may gain from this is that, you know, the attitude uh, and mental makeup mm-hmm. of employees that get a, uh, you know, th- that get a stationary train to start moving vis-a-vis, say, um, someone boarding and a, a running train mm-hmm. are two very different things. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so that was a very key takeaway for me. And I think uh, there was another uh, important learning that, and that was where my personal uh, internal growth uh, came from that the basic skill sets of team building, motivating, stitching up business partners, mm-hmm. managing expectations up and down mm-hmm. uh, are all in fact um, transferable in nature mm-hmm. uh, from one industry to another. So this helped my self-confidence uh, grow a great deal. Fascinating. Fascinating. So let's now move uh, Ankur to uh, Radiko Khaitan. Um, tell me about some of your popular brands. Yeah, so Radiko Khitan is a full spectrum uh, Indian uh, liquor industry player. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, it's it's the largest Indian spirits company. Wow. Uh, our brands, uh, you know, we 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 sell uh, in over eighty seven countries and we do about twenty seven million cases. Amazing. Uh, annual revenues are in excess of four hundred and fifty million US dollars per annum. Mm-hmm. Um, the the most popular brands, many of them you may have heard of, are 8 p.m. Whiskey, mm. Morpheus Brandy, mm. 1965 Spirit of Victory Rum. Mm. Uh, then we have Magic Moments Vodka, of course. Right. We are uh, the largest vodka uh, marketeer in the country. Mm. And very recently, we've also launched uh, Rampur Indian Single Malt Whiskey. I'm sure you have one of those in your I bar. I have that in my bar. Avid uh, malt collector. Mm-hmm. And uh, then there is uh, Jaisalmer uh, Indian Craft Gin. Mm-hmm. Um, that has also been recently launched. Mm. You know, it's interesting. I, I purchased a bottle of Rampur, not at duty free or in India, 
but in the US. And I said, Indian whiskey, I've got to carry it back. But tell me, uh, uh, Ankur, what goes into building a successful alcohol brand? Right. Um, I'm not sure if we have enough time on the show to, uh, <laughs> to cover that uh, topic, but um, you know, I'll, I'll hit on a few uh, key points. Actually, um, building a successful alcohol brand is really no different from building uh, any brand, uh, say, be, you know, be it automobiles or FMCG. Um, and I think uh, it, there lies, uh, you know, so there are some common themes, I'd say. And for me, um, the most important ingredient for success is authenticity. Okay. Uh, today's consumers, they're very mm. discerning. They see mm. right through any BS uh, that you may throw at them. Mm. Um, you know, quality and value for money are a given. Correct. Um, but I think in the case of uh, liquor, especially, mm. I think a unique story uh, that uh, the consumer identifies uh, the, uh, himself with mm. is the most critical uh, uh, ingredient, in my opinion. Okay. Um, this story uh, needs to be told in a place, manner and time that is easily accessible to the target consumer. Mm. Uh, the other important element is customer centricity. Mm -hmm. Um, our consumers are evolving all of the time. Mm. And so is the nature of competition and the environment that you operate in. Mm. Uh, so it becomes extremely critical mm. uh, for the brand to constantly move in terms of packaging, features, and communication. Sure. Uh, to stay relevant to that consumer mm. or to attract new ones for that matter. Mm. And the reason I also wanted to know this uh, about building brands is because there is a restriction on the way you can communicate. Yeah. So, so that becomes an even bigger challenge, isn't it? Correct. Correct. You're absolutely right, Ashtosh. Um, I think, uh, I think you're alluding to the whole, you know, enigma of surrogate advertising right. and all the questions around that. Mm. So, you know, it's a dark environment. That's no secret. Mm. And, um, uh, you know, traditional advertising, therefore, is not available mm. to uh, Alco Bev industry. Mm. Um, and the regulatory framework is very rigid on Correct. this point. Correct. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, that's not uh, necessarily a bad thing. Mm -hmm. And I see that as an opportunity. Mm. Uh, because, you know, it's very, um, you know, big fat advertising budgets, bulldozing the consumer mindset is, is what, uh, you know, traditionally an FMCG mm. player might do. Mm. Uh, but I think in the liquor industry, just because, you know, we have to be a little more creative than that, um, you know, brands have to do that extra work, mm -hmm. uh, whether it's on the ground or at point of sale uh, in order to woo the customer. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, classical in-shop at merchandising, bars uh, or club uh, events, promotions, uh, sponsorships. Mm -hmm. uh, these are some of the tools that are available to the liquor marketeers mm -hmm. to create your awareness, trial, and um, ultimately loyalty. Well said. Um, well said. Interestingly, I think since you asked the question, I think I, I should uh, do justice to it and break it down perhaps into two yeah. segments. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there is a, there is a nuance, uh, nuanced difference, whether it's a premium brand or a mass brand. So premium brands are primarily built on packaging, uh, top shelf placement. And like I mentioned earlier, the story behind the origin of the product uh, is very important. Mm. Um, PR, brand ambassadorial work also add to that. 
um, in the premium space, I often say a well-told story uh, wins the day. Mm. Um, on the other hand, mass brands, uh, you know, hear more than the brand story, consumers associate with the price point. Correct. Um, the core message must resonate with mm. their aspiration. Mm. Um, and, you know, I, I, you know, every marketer has his or her own uh, secret sauce. Absolutely. It sets them apart. Mm. I have mine too. Absolutely <laughs> right. Well said. And yet, you know, uh, as I've seen in the tobacco business and uh, in my ITC days, and now you're talking about alcohol, alcohol is probably one of the finest price laddered product. You know, you've got a, an alcohol for virtually every price segment. True. And yet consumer tastes determine a lot. So my question to you is what determines customer tastes in, uh, in, in alcohol? Wow. Uh, okay. So generally speaking, um, consumers, and I think this is true world over, mm. uh, young consumers typically start with RTDs and, uh, and beer. Mm. So let's say low alcohol spirits, mm -hmm. low alcohol uh, beverages. Yeah. Um, this is before they move to hard spirits. Mm. In the Indian context, mm. uh, typically, as you correctly said, um, you know, it's very laddered. So each subcategory or flavor has its own consumption characteristics. Correct. So a uh, broad distinction is white spirits and dark spirits. Mm. And I'll address each one of these uh, to help you, uh, your mm -hmm. listeners understand this better. Mm. But white spirits, that's vodka and gin. Mm. Uh, it's a small, uh, it's a very small category mm. in the, within the overall IMFL uh, uh, basket. IMFL is a old British coinage, which stands for Indian made foreign liquor. Correct. Uh, so white spirits are typically used for daytime drinking and making cocktails. Mm. Uh, and sometimes you'll be surprised to know, even to escape the smell of the spirit itself. Absolutely. Um, mm. Vodka and gin, uh, uh, therefore, are more versatile and they lend themselves to be mixed with other ingredients. Dark spirits, on the other hand, mm. uh, dark spirits defined as whiskey, brandy, um, and rum, mm. uh, they connote more serious drinking in a traditional sense. Okay. And these compri comprise the lion's share of the Indian spirits industry. Mm. And then there are a lot of typical things like whiskey is an all season category mm. uh, for a slightly more mature uh, uh, palette. Mm. Uh, whereas dark rum, has a sense of a very macho entry-level drink and evokes images of the Indian armed forces. Um, overall, dark spirits uh, record a, a spike, I'd say, in the winter season. Mm. Um, uh, but, you know, I'm making very broad, sure. sweeping, sure. general statements. Sure. Mm. And I think there are many breakaway trends. And I think that's an interesting thing to think about mm. uh, because women drinkers are a very growing segment uh, and it's not just wine, mm. uh, it's gin, single malts, um, and, and people are drinking more quality instead of quantity now. Uh, then there is this whole uh, trend of small craft, artisanal batch uh, uh, distilled spirits. Mm. Um, so we as marketeers, we tend to take a customized uh, portfolio approach mm. and to cater to all these varied segments. Mm. Um, Interesting. I, yeah. And I, and I think one very big trend, uh, Ashtosh, uh, and I'm sure it's, uh, you'll, you'll probably 
um, uh, identify even yourself with mm. that it's often not one or the other. Mm. Uh, many of us uh, have uh, many different categories of spirits in our repertoire. Right. So on different occasions or time of the day, uh, you know, we'll, we'll find something else uh, more uh, suitable. Mm. And that makes our job very dynamic and interesting. You know, you're so right. I mean, I enjoy my alcohol and I have two small drinks every day. And I switch between whiskey to rum to vodka to gin, sometimes to tequila and then move back, you know. So you're absolutely right. But um, Ankur, tell me, I've been increasingly seeing Indian whiskeys being uh, sold in international uh, duty-free places and international stores. I'm seeing friends overseas beginning to talk about Indian whiskeys. What is happening to whiskeys in India and why is there such a big interest? Great question, Ashtosh. I'm, I'm sure you're not complaining. This is great. Not at all. And the brand not of India. Not at all. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah. So, I think, um, you know, the consumer is evolving. And mm. uh, so is the quality of Indian whiskey. Mm. Um, India, uh, not many people would know, but India is ranked as the third largest consumer of whiskey in the world. Okay. Um, whiskeys, uh, as I mentioned earlier, whiskeys made in India are known as the IMFL category, uh, Indian made foreign liquor category. Yeah. yeah. Um, and th this is being extreme, uh, received extremely well mm. in the international market of late, as you said. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, um, many Indian companies are now making single malts. Correct. Um, and these have a huge demand, uh, not only in the international market, but also in the domestic market. Mm. Um, so single malts, as, as you know, more than anyone else, is that they are considered or perceived to be more superior to blended whiskeys. Mm. Uh, and, and these cannot be mass produced. Mm. So lately, um, uh, several Indian single malt brands have even won global recognition and awards. Um, so uh, very interestingly, um, India's you know, overall uh, warm climate mm. actually accelerates the maturation process okay. uh, and the aging process, mm -hmm. which makes the Indian whiskies tend to be a little younger than their, uh, let's say, Scottish or Irish counterparts. Mm -hmm. um, traditionally, uh, and this is a very important point where I'm noticing over the last one decade or so, mm -hmm. why Indian whiskies are getting more popular. Mm -hmm. uh, previously, majority of the Indian whiskies were made, um, were a distillate of molasses. Mm -hmm. um, and then the trend changed towards grain-based whiskies, mm -hmm. and, and which is the norm in, say, Europe uh, or the US. Right. So this, in my view, has is contributing to the overall quality and popularity, therefore, of Indian whiskey globally. Mm -hmm. Fascinating. You know, uh, this is not my time to talk too much, but I have to tell you this one story. Last month in New York, I was at a bar with a very dear friend and I asked him, I said, give me a different whiskey. And he said, you want to try something Indian? I said, show me the bottle. And he showed me a Rampur, <laughs> which I did have a drink from. Music that. to my ears. Absolutely. Keep speaking and, I, and I told him I'm going to be speaking things. to the boss <laughs> in a few, uh, you know, in a month or so. So wonderful. But Thank now you. coming back to you, uh, and I'm sorry for this digression. Uh, another interesting trend I have noticed, and maybe I'm wrong, is that when it comes to premium whiskeys, Indian companies launch them in international markets first before coming to the Indian market. 
why is this so ashutosh i think uh, you're you know you're more wrong here than right uh, okay. i fear um why i say that is that you know there may be a you know a case or two where high end premium brands have actually followed the route that you just suggested mm-hmm. and there you know the reason could be very tactical or maybe they the company felt that their uh, the domestic demand isn't there yet mm-hmm. uh, so that can be it um, but i'd say in the last 5 years or so mm-hmm. um, indian consumers I, the kind of upgrading that i have seen uh, during this whole covid time and people mm-hmm. you know really use their home bars extensively um i think a lot of upgradation has happened and uh, you know we are going through a double digit growth of premium brands launched in india mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know uh, it, it's it's massive i haven't seen that it's unprecedented i mean i've been in this uh, industry for over two decades and what i have seen in the last 3 to 5 years mm-hmm. is is completely mind boggling mm-hmm. um and i think it's helped by the fact that some taxes have come down domestic taxes have mm-hmm. come down uh consumers are spoiled for choice and both indian or international spirits mm-hmm. both are booming uh, ashutosh absolutely well said so i'm going to have time for two more questions one related to alcohol and then one a general question sure. i'm also seeing that a lot of young people and i when i say young people i'm including both my sons who live in singapore and america and all their friends they seem to be drinking gin primarily what is the reason for this amazing popularity for gin and i know you have yours as well jaisalmer correct. Mm. correct 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 absolutely this is uh, has to be one of my favorite questions ashtosh okay. um, why i say this is because uh, you know I, i i enjoy i used to be a single malt drinker but now i've really taken to gin mm-hmm. uh, we have our own jaisalmer gin of course mm-hmm. uh, but on a general level i'd say that uh, gin has been growing uh, all over the world actually mm-hmm. um, uh, you know especially in spain and the uk mm-hmm. uh, those are the two largest gin markets mm-hmm. and uh, you know you very well know how many indians are travel to these right. places so it was no surprise and just a matter of time before this trend caught up in india too um, but um, i mean as far as i as far as the reasons why gin is now taking off or rather i'll be more specific indian gin is taking off or gin in india is taking off mm-hmm. um i can think of a variety of reasons mm-hmm. firstly i think gin is a versatile drink mm-hmm. uh, one can enjoy it straight on the rocks or as a base for a cocktail correct um also with the rising number of bars gin is a favorite base for any bartender to mix with mm-hmm. uh, you see the flavor of you know the the variety of flavors in gin can be pushed into countless directions i see okay uh, to to create uh, you know different styles of drinks mm-hmm. uh, and the industry is full of very creative distillers mm-hmm. um you know i i have a quote that i not really a quote but a, a statement that i make often is that you know there is a gin and a gin drink for everyone it's okay. just about experimenting and discovering what you like so uh, this this holds very true the other uh, reason i'd say is that there have been a lot of gin centric events mm-hmm. um, there's one that i can think of which is gin fest mm-hmm. um, you know which is uh, you know which is one of um, one among many mm-hmm. but uh, they've been generating excitement and that's what's fueling the category's growth as well wow. um uh, at you know one of the gin fests in delhi that i attended mm-hmm. um, i was amazed to see the number of women trying uh, gin based cocktails mm-hmm. um actually it was even more than men uh, which is a very encouraging trend for marketers 
Um, and I think uh, the, the, the last point that I can think of is that um, there are a number of locally produced craft gin brands mm. that have just exploded. Mm. Um, India is a country best suited to experiment with botanicals, uh, considering how rich our culinary heritage is. Mm. Um, so I think for those reasons, I feel uh, gin has a very good future in, uh, in India. Fascinating. Uh, and Ankur, my last question to you, and this is for the many, many people who will listen to our conversation. Based on your vast experience as a marketer in uh, India and looking at so many different brands, what would you say are three lessons you would want our viewers and listeners to take away from your own journey and from our conversation? Right. So Ashtosh, uh, I will answer that one, though uh, I'll, I'll steer away from the professional side of it, mm -hmm. uh, uh, but have more generic uh, uh, you know, uh, advice, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, so right in the beginning, I spoke about a career pivot that I made in search mm -hmm. of self-fulfillment, mm -hmm. if you will. Yeah. Um, you know, it took enormous courage, uh, but I had a certain uh, wanderlust in me. And yeah. fortunately for me, I landed on my feet and came out uh, successful on the other side. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I, uh, you also mentioned that the majority of your viewers mm -hmm. uh, are in their 20s and 30s right. and, uh, you know, have at least uh, two or more decades mm -hmm. of uh, working life ahead of them. Yeah. Um, so I can draw on my professional and personal journey and yeah. uh, talk about these some some general mm. idea as to you said three so okay let's let's keep it mm. down to three mm. um, so first and foremost I think find your purpose yeah uh, you know we are always evolving not everyone can be great at being a writer musician yeah. athlete or a nine to five employee or, mm. or an entrepreneur mm. uh, I was very fortunate to find my calling at an early age correct um, and sticking to it made me happy and successful. Mm. But far too many times I come across people who are just kind of, uh, uh, you know, miserable in their professions. Um, and my, my, so therefore my first advice to them uh, is that find your purpose and don't be afraid to take two steps back mm -hmm. temporarily to go ahead 10 steps in the mm -hmm. long term. Well said. Um, okay. You know, uh, they, couple of decades ahead of them so this mm. is a small risk absolutely and my second advice that flows in from the first mm. um, is that once you have defined your purpose mm. um, then the sincerity of intent is important mm -hmm. which basically means committing to your cause correct um, remove any self-doubts mm. and really put yourself out there mm. so that the universe is forced to conspire to give you what you see well said mm. um, and uh, you know, the last point is uh, grit. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's the one trait that beats everything else, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, grit is perseverance and persistence. Yeah. No matter how many times you fall, you stand up again and again. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Ankur, on that note, uh, and your three lessons, find your purpose, sincerity of intent is very critical, and grit beats everything. Thank you so much for speaking to me. Thank you for talking to me about your amazing journey, about your pivot, uh, and also about all the learnings you've had as a marketer in the world of alcohol. Thank you for speaking to me and good luck to you. Thank you for having me on the show, Ashtosh. It was my first podcast, I should add. 
Thank and you. I actually enjoyed it. Uh, hope your audience also enjoys it. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience, and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for the brand called You.